All right, all right. Good morning. Man, what a way to start Sunday morning off, right? I, I could get used to this, guys. I'd love to see this every single week and, uh, and more than that, honestly. Uh, I, I'm excited. I tell you, uh, so we had two baptisms this morning, and next week we're going to have two more that I know of, and I'm excited about that because uh, one, of, one of the guys, his name is Joey Leonard. And he's been coming, him and his wife and family have been coming since last summer. They actually came their first time was to one of our tailgate events out in the parking lot. And um, the first time that I actually sat down with Joey was at Buffalo Wild Wings in the fall. We were, uh, a bunch of guys were getting together and we were watching a football game there at Buffalo Wild Wings. And I got to have a conversation with him and, uh, you know, kind of find out he, he didn't grow up in church. He had no church experience. He said, my only experience in church is when I got married. <laughs> And so, uh, so he, he comes from no church background whatsoever, and, and when we talked that night, that excited me. I went home, and I told Robin, I said, man, I'm so excited about Joey, and every single week, man, when I, I preach, and I see Joey over there, I think to myself, man, is this a Sunday? Is this a Sunday? And uh, so, so next Sunday is a Sunday, and he's got a friend that's actually been working on him and working, you know, kind of sharing the gospel with him, and he's going to be here to baptize Joey, and then Joey's, Joey's going to turn around and baptize his daughter. Uh, next week. And so, yeah, isn't that awesome? Praise God, man. Praise God. Well, listen, uh, if you guys don't know, uh, this is Kathy Farrell. Kathy Farrell is, uh, leads our prayer ministry team. And the reason why she's up here is because she wants to share a little bit about the prayer ministry. And also, uh, we've got a big weekend coming up in just a couple of weeks, Palm Sunday weekend. And we want to share with you about that. And so, Kathy, I'll let you go first. Go for it. This is out of my element, so anyway. Um, I'd like to get all the people that are on my prayer team to please stand up. Stand. That are here this morning, stand up. Come on. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. These people are the warriors, let me tell you. They're behind the scenes. They're the ones who's praying for our pastor, our worship team. They're praying for all of you and anybody who walks through that door. They pray that the Holy Spirit will come into their hearts, that they would reach them. And I just want to say thank you, especially for my prayer team warriors. Thank you. Yeah. Every Sunday they are in the back praying for our elders, our pastor, the deacons, the worship team, our teachers in the back, our children. We pray that the Spirit will move in a mighty way for the hearts of every person that walked through our doors and our community. And so I would like to ask for you to sign up and pray. We have a board in the entryway out here to pray for our 30-hour famine, especially for the kids who are going to be participating in that. They really need your prayers, and they really need you to be lifting them up. And I'd like for you to get you to sign up. I'm going to be out there at the end of the service for you to come by and sign up, okay? There are other uh, events happening the next Palm Sunday weekend, and I'd like for you to be participating and praying for that. Pray God will move in a mighty way for those who know, for those to know Jesus and move in a mighty way. Also, I'd like to ask for you to reach out. Reach out to one. It only takes one. Just reach one for Jesus. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Kathy. Yeah, so that weekend is going to be huge, and, and she referenced 30-hour famine. And if you don't know what 30-hour famine is, we showed the video at the beginning of the service, and so if you're a latecomer, you missed that video, but it's on our website. I mean, it's on our uh, Facebook page. You can go watch it there, and we'll show it again next week. 
But it really is through world vision, and it's the idea is, is kids raise money, and the money that they raise goes to help support, uh, get food for the, these, these folks that are, that are, that are in hunger. And we have that, the Kiss the Cow. You may have seen some of that. You can go out in our foyer area, and you can see uh, all of our youth sponsors that are uh, out there. You can donate money, and whoever um, has the most money in their, their bucket at the end of uh, Palm Sunday, they have to go out to the grub farm and kiss the, kiss the cow. So that should be a lot of fun. But, but that weekend is going to be huge because we're starting the weekend off on a Friday evening, and we are asking folks to go and volunteer at the food bank here in Chesterfield County. It's right up Route 10 on the right side, across from Walmart. And the times for that is they're in your program. I believe it's 4, 4 to 7.30. Oh, thank you. 4 to 7.30. And, uh, and so here, here's the deal on that, though. You, don't, you can come and leave whenever you want to, okay? So if you can't get there at 4, don't think, oh, I can't participate. If you get there at 5.30, you can still participate. If you get there at 4, you don't have to stay till 7.30, you can leave at 5, 6, whatever. So I just want to encourage you guys to sign up for that so we can let them know how many is coming. You can sign up at the welcome desk, uh, information desk, or you can sign up online. That would be great. Then Saturday uh, morning, uh, the kids will be here starting at 6 a.m., and they're going to be participating in 30 hours of famine. That's when our prayer, the 30 hours of prayer starts. And as Kathy said, you can sign up on the board. Uh, next week, we're going to be giving you guys specific things that you can be praying for. And it's our time slot. And listen, it doesn't matter if multiple people sign up for the same hour. Okay, you can do that. And, and we're just asking you that during that hour, man, you read some scripture, you pray, you spend time in, in the Word, you spend time with, with, with God in prayer. And, uh, man, that'd be great. And you can do that at your house, uh, and, that, and that would be great. You can do that wherever you're at on, on Saturday through Sunday. And then Saturday morning around, we don't know yet, right, 10 and 11, we're doing, we're doing a community garden. Okay, you guys have heard it. What? what Nine. We're doing nine. All right, we're doing nine o'clock. We're doing a community garden. You guys that don't know what community garden is, basically it's, it's an opportunity for us to help the community, partner with the community. Uh, people from Hyde Park can come over and we can plant, uh, they can plant vegetables and food and things like that, and it's kind of a community-oriented thing. And so we're going to be uh, starting the, the plants for that and building those. So if you want to participate in that, see Tom, Tom Crowder, stand up. All right. And he... He, he, hey, trust me, he needs lots of help, okay? <laughs> All right. uh, and, then, and then on that Sunday, on that Sunday, uh, we'll be back here, man. We'll be in worship, uh, Palm Sunday. Check this out, man. If you guys were here last year, if you guys remember Marvin the donkey, he's going to make another appearance. He's going to make another appearance. Marvin the donkey is going to be here. Uh, and so we're excited about Marvin the donkey being here. And then, and then what I'm really excited about is that uh, Sunday afternoon, uh, from 4.30 to 6.30, uh, we are offering a free Skateland event. Uh, Skateland is over here in Chester. And, and this is, I'm actually, I'm excited and now I'm a little bit scared. Because I don't know if you guys have seen the blow up on social media, man. But there are people sharing this event like, like crazy. And uh, there's already like over 100 folks saying they're coming. And I'm saying, I'm like, the capacity is 500. And I'm like, what in the world? Are we going to? So here's the deal, man. We've got uh, cards out on the information desk, welcome desk, for you to take and invite your neighbors. Uh, I know I'm inviting a few of my neighbors who, who I know and who I've, I've got a relationship with, and they've got kids, and so I'm excited about that. And so we encourage you guys to do the same thing. Uh, it's, it's for Hope Tree Family Services. Uh, the Several Hope Tree families will be here. It's going to be a fun event. So it's a busy, busy weekend, man, but we're excited about it. God's going to move and do some amazing things. I'll tell you, man, God is good, isn't he? 
Man, I'm telling you, the songs we've sang, I mean, his love is furious. He is ferociously chasing after, after us. He wants people in this community to come to know Jesus. And, man, we have the opportunity to be a part of that great mission and uh, to, to, to tell people about that. And so, as Kathy said, man, just reach one. Who, who is your one? Who is your one? And so, man, we just encourage you to do that. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. It's kind of, uh, I don't know, it's, it's page uh, 364 in my Bible. So I don't know what that would be in your Bible, but it's page 364 in my Bible. So just flip through there, and it's 1 Samuel, you have 2 Samuel. And, um, uh, the, the text we're reading this morning is fairly long text. Uh, we're going to be reading uh, several verses here. And so I'm just gonna, we're going to have it up on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. And uh, we're going to read that. But today we are talking about David and Goliath. David and Goliath. Now, if you don't know who David is, if you're not familiar with your Bibles, you're not familiar with Old Testament stories, uh, David was the second king of Israel. All right? David was the second king of Israel. His, his father's name was Jesse. And if you remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, who was the father and mother of Jesse? Anybody remember? Who? Say, say it again. Who was the father of Who was the father of Obed? Boaz. Yeah, yeah. Remember that. So, so you know that, that that David is in the line of Jesus. Okay, Jesus references David several times in his ministry, and uh, so so that's who David is. If you're not familiar, and so today we're going to be reading uh, David David and Goliath, the story. So we're going to be in First uh, Samuel, chapter seventeen. And we are going to open up with prayer, and then we will read, starting in verse 32, down through 50. We're going to kind of start in the middle of the story here, okay? You guys good? You guys ready? I tell you, I love this front row action here, man. This is awesome. I love this. This is good stuff. Uh, so let's, let's, let's open up with, the, with, the, with prayer, and then we'll read from God's Word. Father God, we just thank you so much. Man, we just just blown away, God, by your love for us. God, I pray that that love will just capture our hearts, God. That we will allow the gospel, the good news, to, to take root in our heart. And God, that we will just grow in the gospel. God, I pray for our time today that, that as we just continue to worship you through your word, that your spirit will move in this place. God, that you would just uh, convict us, Father, of our need for you. And I just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Starting at verse 32, this is what it says. And David said to King Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him, him being Goliath, this giant. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. So that kind of gives you an idea of who David is, right? He's a, he's a, he's a pretty, pretty cool dude right, right there. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. And your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he is defied the armies of the living God. 
And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head, uh, on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried uh, in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and with spear and with javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. It's pretty graphic right there, by the way. Um, this is one of those stories I hope they have on DVD when we get to heaven. I'd like to see that. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool, right? Um, and I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all the assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. All right, all right, man, what... What an amazing story. And, and, and out of all the stories of David, this is probably the most famous, the most dramatic, the most often told story of the life of David. Honestly, it feels like a scene from uh, the movie Braveheart or the movie 300, if you've seen those movies. Um, but it's also one of those stories that, honestly, it deals with the, probably the, the most fundamental question in life. And that is, is how do you deal with fear? H- how do you deal with fear? When, when you are afraid and you're terrified at what life throws at you, how can you have courage? How can you have courage? Now, people often apply this story uh, of David and Goliath by saying that Goliath, this, this giant of a man, he kind of represents our fears. And David, this little shepherd boy, is an example of how to deal with those fears. And in other words, we face our fears head on, and the bigger they are, the harder they fall. But after studying... What Robert Alter, he's a professor of Hebrew literature at University of California. After studying what he had to say, uh, it really changed my understanding of this story. And there's really a deeper meaning here. Uh, Alter points out that it's not just a storybook, face your giants kind of theme, but instead he says there's two different ways of having courage, and they're displayed in this story. The first is what's called a counterfeit courage. Counterfeit courage. And then the second is the way to true courage. And today we're going to figure out the way to true courage. You guys with me? You guys good? 
All right, so let's set the stage, man. The Israelites, God's chosen people, and the Philistines are enemies. They, they dislike each other. They've been in battle before, and they're setting up for this, this epic battle. And the Philistines are on one side of the valley, and the Israelites are on the other side of the valley. And the strategy is actually a great strategy if you think about it. They, they decide to have one man from each side come out and just have an old-school kind of duke-it-out, one-on-one fistfight uh, kind of battle. And so, hey man, if you're going into this kind of battle, you want to have your biggest and your best. In verse 4, we didn't read it, but it says, There came out of the, from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath. And now the word champion literally means the man between. And the champion was someone who fought on behalf of the whole army. And so the idea here is, is that the victory of one man would then be transferred to the whole army. So if we were to go out in battle and we were to choose one person to fight for us, uh, not, not me, but Chris Higgins, uh, Chris Higgins come over to fight for us, you know, his victory then would be transferred to our victory, right? That, that's kind of the idea here. Uh, verse 4 also tells us that Goliath was six cubits in a span. Now, most commentators agree that Goliath was at least, at least eight, feet, eight feet tall, and some say upward to nine feet tall. Now, now, listen, I've seen a wax statue at Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, of the tallest man in the world. His name was Robert Wadlow. Anybody ever seen that statue, what I'm talking about? Anybody familiar with that? Anybody, you've seen it? Anybody know who Robert Wadlow is? He's the tallest man in the world. <laughs> he, he, he died in 1940, and he was 8 feet 11 inches. That's tall, right? 1940. Uh, can you imagine Goliath's appearance? I want you to imagine this for a second. I mean, not to mention, listen, he's probably taking vitamins. He's probably drinking protein shakes. He's doing push-ups. He's doing sit Listen, Goliath is on the cover of Muscle Magazine, all right? I mean, he's, he's one big dude. Verse 11 tells us that his shout alone terrified the Israelites. I mean, they were paralyzed with fear. He was an intimidating presence. Not to mention that Goliath had the highest uh, tech and the latest gear in military hardware, I mean, verse 5 tells us that he wore a bronze helmet, that he had a coat of armor that weighed 125 pounds. Listen, if you got a coat of armor that weighs 125 pounds and you're carrying that around, well, he's got to be a strong dude, right? 125 pounds is a lot of weight. On his legs, he wore bronze armor and a javelin of bronze uh, slung between his shoulders. His spear is like a weaver's beam, and his spearhead weighed 600 shekels of iron, which is about 20 pounds. Can you imagine carrying a 20-pound dumbbell? I mean, I, I can't do that for very long. And this dude's like whipping it around like it's nothing. Verse 42 tells us that Goliath looked at David and he saw that he was a mere boy. And he despised him. He was like, this is all you got for me? He's like, I will crush you. I, one of my favorite scenes, one of my favorite movies is Rocky IV. Anybody with me? Rocky IV, where, where Rocky fights the Russian, right? And remember that epic scene, man, where they're in the middle of the ring and they're getting ready to fight, and the Russian pounds down on Rocky's fist, and what does he say? I must break you. I love that, right? This is, this is Goliath, man. Goliath is looking at David, and he's like, man, I am going to break you, man. I'm going to break you like a twig. I'm big. You're small, man. I'm high tech. You can't even handle Saul's armor. And Goliath says, come here, and I will give your flesh to the birds and to the wild animals. Now, now, what we see here in Goliath is this counterfeit courage. And here's the danger of counterfeit courage. You ready? Your confidence is in your own ability. 
See, Goliath's self-esteem is wrapped up in his size. He builds himself up by focusing on his assets, which are considerable. He is a self-centered man with an ego as big as his frame. Goliath also dismisses his fears. Listen, Goliath psychs himself up by visualizing success. So I'm going to break you. I'm going to tear you down. I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds. He's visualizing success. So he psychs himself up. He dismisses his fears. He says, I'm going to crush you. And what does he say? He says, I can't be beat. I can't be beat. Now here's the problem with counterfeit courage. When you build your self-esteem, when you build self-assertion and self-confidence and your own abilities and dismiss your fears and you say, I can't lose. Nothing bad will happen to me. We become out of touch with reality. Listen, I did this this past week with my wife, man. Uh, Monday, uh, our, our oldest son, Jude, got sick. And then sometime around Tuesday, my wife was like, I think I'm getting sick. And I said, no, 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 no. I said, you're not getting sick. Said, you just got to tell yourself. You got to tell yourself you're not getting sick. You got to visualize, right? You're not getting sick. Just tell yourself, you know, I'm not getting sick. I'm not getting sick. And about two minutes later, she said, well, she went to the bathroom and she got sick. You know, she said, right? And, 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 and that's what happens, man. You kind of get out of touch with reality because we live, listen, we live in a broken, fallen world. And you know what that means? We're going to experience bad times. We're going to experience troubles. We live in a society, man, where oftentimes the focus is on me. You know, we build up your self-confidence, trust in yourself. You can do it. Visualize success. And believe it or not, listen, believe it or not, Christians actually have a version of Goliath's counterfeit courage. You know how Christians do it? Christians do it. We oftentimes misquote scriptures about how we can accomplish anything, or sometimes we skip over those verses that promise us trials and tribulations, and we preach a false prosperity gospel that says God is going to, to make my life easy. All right? Or, or we say things like this, right? We can go to the other, say, man, I'm a good Christian. I'm obeying the Bible. I'm trusting in the Lord. I'm repenting of sins. I'm trying to live a good life, and therefore, God would never let anything bad happen to me. Some of it's like we put God in our debt, right? It's like God owes me. Listen, I've met people like that before. And oftentimes when we experience difficulties or we go through tough times in our life, we begin to wonder, okay, what have I done wrong? You know, why is God punishing me? Why, how did I get on God's bad side? I'm checking off the boxes. I'm doing everything right. And see, what, what that's doing is we're basing God's love for us on our circumstances, and that's just not biblical. Listen, man, we could flip through page after page after page after page of people in the Bible who followed hard after God. Listen, John the Baptist. All right, things didn't go so well for John the Baptist, did they? He got his head cut off. I mean, every single disciple, with the exception of John, was martyred for their faith. All right, listen, we experienced tough times. And when David approaches Goliath in his shepherd outfit and his sling, Goliath even says, man, am I a dog that you would come at me with sticks? Listen, Goliath was insulted. He was out of touch with reality. And listen, listen, anybody can muster up enough courage for a short period of time. Right? I mean, we, 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 can, we can muster up short periods of, of adrenaline rushes to where we can get through something for a short period of time. And we can, anybody can psych themselves up for that. But what we need is the kind of courage to face life over the long haul. Would you agree? And what we need is not courage to dismiss our fears, 
But we need the type of courage to help us do the right thing in spite of our fears. See, how do we have that kind of courage over a long period of time? Where do you get that kind of realistic courage? Because, listen, reality for us is that the Goliaths that we face in our daily lives don't carry a sword and shield, do they? Right? They don't show up one day and they're gone the next, right? The Goliaths that we face are unemployment, divorce, a troubled marriage, a wayward child, abandonment, depression, anxiety, sexual abuse, addictions, people-pleasing. Right? I mean, the, the glass that we faced are, are, are a past riddled with bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. The glass that we face are our futures that we just can't imagine that we can just go any further, right? How do we have the courage to face those everyday fears? Right? We just can't dismiss them and hope they go away. We can't just act like they're not there. We can't just visualize success and think that, man, if we visualize success, everything is going to be okay. We're going to overcome this. We can't just build up our own self-esteem. We can't have that self-assertion and think that, hey, that's going to work and that's what's going to get me through. We need true courage. So let's take a look at David. Listen, David wasn't even a part of the Israelite army. Do you realize that? Like, he's not even a part of the army at this point. He's just there. Uh, if you read early in the story, he's there to bring food to three of his brothers who are on the front of the battle lines, shaking in their boots with the rest of the Israelites. And, and David overhears Goliath talking smack about the Israelites' God, and David is appalled. He's like, he's like, you going to stand for that, bro? You going you to take this? And Eliab, his, his oldest brother, is like, man, who do you think you are, Dave? Who do you think? He says, you, you, you come in here and you act like this. He's like, don't you have some sheep to go attend to? Right? He gives him the business. And then David goes to King Saul and he says, listen, man, let me be the champion for the Israelites. Let me fight this dude. Saul's probably thinking, man, great. Is this really our only willing person to face Goliath? He tells David, I, 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 he tells David, I, I, I know, man, you are so small. He, he tries to fit David in his, in his armor. But David sticks with what he knows. He takes his sling and stones. And here's the point. The point is this. While the Israelites who were shaking in their boots could only see Goliath and only see the problem uh, in front of them, David's focus was on God and how big his God is. See, David's confidence wasn't in his ability. Go back and read the story, and you'll notice how many times David points to God. See, his ability wasn't in, 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 in his self, but it was in a God who had delivered him in the past from, from the lions and tigers and bears, oh my, right? I mean, his, his ability, was, his, his, his confidence wasn't in himself, but it was in God. And so, so what's true courage? The way to true courage is now to put ourselves in the story. And so let me ask you this question. Who do we identify with in this story? Is it Goliath, the, the giant with counterfeit courage? Is it David, the champion? Or the Israelites, the guys who are on the sidelines shaking in their boots. Who are we? Well, I mean, I would love to tell you that we're the Davids, right? Wouldn't that be nice? We're the champions. But if that's what we think, we might miss something deeper here. I believe we actually identify with the Israelites. What do you guys think? Anybody with me? Right? Anybody with me? I think we're the ones whose knees are knocking. 
I mean, isn't that a little bit more realistic for, for us? Uh, maybe we aren't David, and hopefully we're not Goliath. I think we're the frightened people. We're, we're with the Israelites who are on the sidelines. And let me ask you this question. What does God give to frightened people in this story? What does he give them? He gives them a champion and a deliverer. See, God doesn't deal with their fears by just giving them an example and saying, hey, hey, look at David. Be like David. Right? He deals with their fears by giving them a substitute, someone who will fight in their place and give them the victory. See, David is a substitute savior because his victory over Goliath becomes Israel's victory. The theological term for this is called imputation. He wasn't just fighting for them, he was fighting as them. He acted as their advocate, and because he won, they won. The Israelites didn't do anything, right? They just stood there, and David won, right? His victory was imputed to the Israelites. See, David's not an example for the Israelites to follow. He doesn't say, come on, guys, throw off your armor, pick up your your slings. He's not an example. He's a savior, and he's a deliverer for the people. But, But this is an interesting choice for a champion, isn't it? Right, David, David wins because of his weakness. Do you realize that? David wins because of his weaknesses, because he was so weak, so laughable, that Goliath went into the battle with his shields down. Goliath, had, he, was, he was out of touch with reality. In fact, we see this back in chapter 16, verse 11. It's the prophet Samuel is going to the house of Jesse because God says, hey, that's where you're going to find the next king of Israel. And so, so Samuel gets there, and, he, and, and Jesse's, you know, it's a proud father, and he lines up. Jesse's got eight sons, counting David. And Jesse lines up his first seven sons. He's a proud father. Samuel goes down the line, says, okay, God, is it this guy? Goes to all seven brothers. All seven of them rejected by God. So that's not the one. That's not the one. And Samuel's scratching his head. He's like, I know my GPS had the right address. Like, what's going on here? So he goes to Jesse, he's like, do you have any more sons? And Jesse's like, well, yeah, I do. My youngest son, David. And what's interesting is, is the, the Hebrew word for youngest, it, it, does, it means more than just age, it means rank. It means little brother. It means, it means runt, okay? He, he, was, he wasn't just the youngest, but he was the, the runt. And Robert Alter says that it's because of his weakness It's because David is so laughable. It's because he is the runt that he actually learns all he's going to need to be be the next king. He's going to learn how to sling a a, a stone. He's going to learn how to not be intimidated by lions and bears. And it's, it's through his weakness that he saves his people. See, like David, Jesus saved us through weakness. Do you realize that? Jesus doesn't come with swords and shields to overthrow the Roman government. Jesus left heaven and he came to earth as a poor, humble baby from Nazareth. Right? Jesus doesn't conquer, you know, the Roman government. Jesus dies on a cross. He is tortured. He took the punishment that we deserve so that when we believe in God, he accepts us. Jesus Christ's victory over sin and death is imputed to us when we place our trust and faith in him. Right? Jesus' victory becomes our Victory. Do you know that you have victory over sin and death through Jesus Christ? Do you realize that? See, David saved his people at the risk of his life, but Jesus saved, his, saved us at the cost of his life. 
And because he was victorious, Jesus took on our greatest fear. Do you realize that? Like, what's your greatest fear in life? Jesus took on our greatest fear. Listen, because of our sin, because of our rebellion against God, we are lost. We are separated from God. Whether or not you know it, that is our worst nightmare, to be separated from God for eternity. It's the ultimate nightmare. It's the ultimate poverty. It's the ultimate loneliness. It's the ultimate death. But on the cross, Jesus took that fear on himself. Jesus experienced total separation. And if you believe in him, you have victory over sin and death. Sure, you may, you may lose some money here on earth. You may lose love here on earth. You may even lose your life here on earth. But the only debt that can destroy you eternally is the debt of sin. And that sin has been paid by Jesus Christ. Amen? Listen, in the New Testament book, man, there's this great, great book of, uh, called Hebrews. And in chapter 11, the writer lists all these great examples of faith, right? It's called the Hall of Faith chapter. And the writer says, I want you to remember Noah. I want you to remember Abraham. I want you to remember Moses. And towards the end of that book, he says, remember David. Great examples of faith. But in chapter 12, the writer opens with these words. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by, such, by so great a cloud of witnesses, right? These, 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 these men and women of faith, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How do we do that? How do we run this race? It says, by looking to Jesus. By fixing your eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. In other words, remember these guys, remember these guys, but fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And the Greek word that's used there is archigos, which has the same idea as champion. Completed, finished. See, David's victory was temporary. It was a small piece of history, but Jesus' victory over sin and death is eternal. It's forever. David simply is foreshadowing the true champion, Jesus Christ. Amen? Psalm 30. Psalm 30 is a great verse. Verse 5, it says, Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. We sing a song, right? It's a song. And listen, that's not just an inspirational verse that you stick on a coffee cup. Right? It's not, if you're a Christian, man, if you're a here and you're a believer in Christ, this verse is always true. Do you realize that? Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. No matter how bad things get here on earth, joy is always on the way. And so true courage is not the absence of fear, but it's the presence of joy. John 16, 33, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And then in 1 John, chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, we are told that if we believe in Jesus, that we are overcomers. What does it mean to be an overcomer? It means it doesn't matter what happens to me in this world. Will there be trials? Yes. Hardships, absolutely. Things that may cause us fear and sadness and distress, yes. Death, you bet. But we have already won. See, the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus and what he did for you on the cross, you've won. His victory becomes your victory. 
See, true courage is, is the assurance of joy because we know that no matter what happens, in the end, it's going to be okay. And that's true courage. In other words, courage is not self-assertion. It's self-forgetfulness. It's not self-confidence, but it's self-sacrifice. And it's self-forgetfulness that happens when you know that everything is going to be okay. And how do we know everything's going to be okay? Because even though I'm a coward, Jesus Christ is my champion. And he took everything on himself that I deserve. And now I know that God will never leave me. He'll never forsake me. I'm safe in his arms. So how does this work in real life? Well, let me tell you about my mom. My mom is 67 years old. And when she was 30, I was two years old. She had cervical cancer. Sorry, I didn't think I would do this. Um, they told her in the hospital, they said, you probably won't make it through this. But she did. And she had lots of radiation, lots of treatments, and she would drive back and forth on the weekends up here to NCV. And she made it through. God, by the grace of God, she made it through. And now 30-some years later, she's really suffering the effects of all that radiation because her bones are so brittle and so weak. Just in the last three years, my mom has broken both of her hips and a femur bone. Like, she doesn't even have a, a ball joint in her hip. It's gone. And in the last three years, this is what's happened, man. My mom has had to be uprooted from her house, moved into a single-level home in, in the same area where she lived. But then it got so bad to where we're like, Mom, you just got to come, come to Richmond with us. And so she not only got uprooted from her house, but now she's getting uprooted from where her sisters live and from where her church family is. Like, the church family's huge. And now she's coming to a place where she's not familiar, and she's living in an assisted living place. And I'm going to tell you something, man, that's hard. Does she get discouraged? Absolutely. Listen, I was on the phone with her last night, man. And she's discouraged. She's discouraged. She's just uh, she's having a tough time. I'm going to tell you something. Counterfeit courage isn't going to get you through something like that. It's just not going to happen. You can't dismiss your fears. You can't you know, self-assert and think, okay, I can overcome this. It's just not going to happen. But true courage is the joy. It's the joy of knowing that because of Jesus, my mom's an overcomer. It's the joy of knowing that what she's going through on this earth is only temporary. For her, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy is on the way. You know, this whole time, uh, this whole week, as I, as I was writing this, this sermon, this song that kept coming to my mind, it's a song that we sang growing up in church, and, and a lot of you probably know it. Just turn your eyes upon Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And the things of earth, pain, sadness, fear, addictions, you name it, will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Amen? I'm going to ask the band to come on up here and get ready, and we're going to sing a song of response. And uh, as always, man, I just want to encourage you guys to, to respond uh, to the message here and I want to ask all, anybody that's on our prayer team, if you'll come up and just be over here by the cross. And, man, if you're here this morning, you're going through a difficult time, and you're just discouraged or you're whatever, man, we want to pray with you. We want to encourage you.
know that, that Jesus Christ, he's our champion. Fix your eyes on him. Amen? So would you guys stand and sing with us? Come on, prayer team. Do you need this?